This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Bare Naked ABCs, where we discuss every Bare Naked Lady song from 7 to Y. And this week, we finally are past Christmas. And, it, you know, it's wonderful. But in, in Maine, there's a controversy that happens every year at this time. Some of us are really, really happy to have snow still on the ground. And then there's people like me who just wish that it would just melt away and we would have no more snow for the rest of the year. All we want is white on the ground when it comes to Christmas, and then we're good. That's it. <laughs> I'm not a skier. I don't enjoy skiing. I'm one of those people. So, But we did have a white Christmas. But this week, we're going to be talking about the song Green Christmas. And to join me, since we don't have Aaron and Michelle, I have with us Bill Meeks. Nice to be here. Nice to be here. And, uh, you know, down here in Florida, all we have is green Christmases. So (laughs) (laughs) I live in Maine mostly because I, well, family, but also I love to have a white Christmas, Mm -hmm. but I'm done Mm -hmm. with it after that. I I could care less about having white the rest of the year. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I like snow having happened, but I hate having to like drive in it or interact with it at all minus looking outside a window and be like oh that's nice and then going back to my hot cocoa or whatever <laughs> exactly <laughs> but the kids seem to enjoy it so i'll i'll mm-hmm. go with it <laughs> yeah we, we're actually uh we're going up to new york city on christmas uh so we're we might get a white christmas you know just we'll get there like late at night though so it'll just be a dark dreary white christmas <laughs> and Very, we've broken the we've broken the illusion it, we're recording this before christmas <laughs> oh i mean that that when we went to new york city and uh it, the christmas was white it was really really white i swear it, it happened in the past yeah i'm not i'm not gonna record over the christmas holiday season i'm not doing that to people so yeah we're Mm. recording this early we're putting a bunch in the pot so that way we don't have to record during the christmas break so so this week we're talking about green christmas which is a really interesting because it's one of the few songs that they've actually done for a soundtrack Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's written by stephen page and and ed robertson was written in the year 2000 Although it wasn't released on the holiday album until much later, because it actually came out on the soundtrack first. Yes, uh, the soundtrack for Grinch. I I have it in my CD book, uh, I think, out in my car, because I still have one of those big binders filled with CDs. Half of them are Bare Naked Ladies, soundtracks, albums, singles, and bootlegs. (laughs) (laughs) So there's four places that you can actually get this song. One, Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas soundtrack the streets are filled with christmas cheer at least it's only once a year perfect parcels tied with 
with perfect pose. Which was the Jim Carrey, Ron Howard version. Mm-hmm. Controversial version. In 2002, there was a compilation album called Maybe This Christmas Too, which they recorded another version for. They did not just release the same version into that. They did a whole new version. And then we have the holiday album where they did another version of the song again. <laughs> Dockings on the mantle, snow's here every day, but it's a green Christmas anyway. Red nose on the reindeer, tinsel on the tree, but it's a green Christmas for me. And then finally, if you went to the tour, that was the this was the tour where they released copies of every single uh stop that they did on that tour so if you have you could either get you could if you went to that show you got a copy of that show to bring home with you Mm -hmm. so you a whole bunch of different ways that you can get this song in different ways and versions yeah i think uh this song too is next to pinch me it might have the most uh versions played on different talk shows like uh and then there was also didn't it didn't they do they did a bare naked for the holidays special on A and E too and I think this was in that too. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely, and it was great. Like, it, I I like this song no matter which version it is. I do have a favorite, um, mm-hmm. but I I definitely like this song no matter which one comes out of it. So. Oh yeah, it's a it's a great song. Great, great. I I, I like all of their original holiday songs, honestly. Uh, but this one is definitely a standout. Now, one of the interesting things about this song is Bare Naked Ladies got an opportunity here when they were asked to do this song for the soundtrack. Ron Howard, and I'm sure that wasn't offered to all the people who who did this, probably just Bare Naked Ladies and, and one or two other bands. Bare Naked Ladies was given an early version, a rough cut of the film to watch to then decide like how they wanted to create the song and, and mold it around the character. So, like, oh, wow. what an opportunity. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and I, I mean, uh, if you look through the lyrics of this song, it's very evident that it was written very specifically <laughs> for this movie and that character. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, th- this, uh, this song, too, it, to me, it kind of seemed like it was the start of them trying to become a bit of a soundtrack band, too, because they did this, and then I think they almost had they did the chicken little one little slip <laughs> and then they tried to write one for curious George and it didn't end up working out. So that ended up on the kids album. If I climb a tree just to see what I see, does that make me curious? If I make a point of just cruising a joint, would that make me curious? Yeah. And it seemed for a while there, they were trying, and then obviously they hit it with the big bang theory and they never need to write another soundtrack song again. <laughs> There's one other one, though, and we're going to get that a year from now. Oh, Laser, Laser Team. Laser Team. It was a Rooster Teeth production um, okay. done by the Rooster Teeth team, some of the people acting on that. And it was an mm-hmm. actual release. It was an actual movie. And they're actually coming out with a second movie they're working on right now. So, Oh, wow. I, I, I was not aware of that one. I'll have to hunt that one. 
one down after we're done here. Yeah, Actually, well, you you're know what? I'm welcome to come back for that song when we do it. <laughs> for sure, for sure. I, I, I'll, I'll have to listen to it first. In fact, you know what? I think you can handle this. I'm just going to go and uh, find Laser Team right now. <laughs> Watch it the was... movie though, but we'll come back to okay. that movie. <laughs> movie is worth it. But this song, I uh, before we get into talking about the song, one more thing I do want to mention was this song was not recorded by itself it was not recorded like they just went into the into the studio one day and recorded it to to get it done for this album they actually recorded it during the maroon sessions and i think that it actually sounds like a lot of the maroon types of sounds anyways oh yeah yeah like i was not aware of that trivia fact which is surprising that you were able to get one i'm not aware of but that totally makes sense. This the the song has the exact same quality as all those maroon songs. Like I don't know how to explain it. It's just sort of this soft mastering uh, to them. They, they they all kind of have the same quality. And and I mean BNL's albums are all sort of like that. Where because I think you know every song on Gordon sounds a little bit like every other song. You know what I mean? It sounds like you could have just gone and seen them pr- perform the entire album live to tape. You know. <laughs> This song was definitely produced by Don Was. Like you can hear it, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. The, the little things. I, I I can't encapsulate what it is. It's just before I knew that fact, I was like, okay, when would they have done this? I knew it was around 2000, anyways. But I was like, it's got like it definitely has that 2000 sound, maybe. And I and I researched it, and yet, sure enough, it was recorded just during that that home maroon sessions. That's when they were t- attracted by Ron Howard to do this. So. Yeah, that's just amazing because you you say that and there's I'm like, there's something about this song that's always seemed really familiar to me. And now that you've said that, that's exactly what it is. It's the production value of it. You know, it's it's sort of the production style of it. Yeah. Before we get to the song, let's talk about the movie. What were your thoughts on Jim Carrey's and Ron Howard's Grinch? I really like I I I went through pu- puberty uh, watching the movie. Um, no, I really liked it though. I I thought that you know it, they, there's a few areas of the original uh, cartoon version that kind of always felt a little bit shallow, and this one really fleshes them out. I I really like Jim Carrey's performance. I like the pro- I love the production design uh, here in uh, Orlando. Universal Studios, they have a whole area themed out just like the movie. Uh, oh, and, yeah. and it's really cool to walk around there. In fact, uh, one of the first times I went there, and this is something that, ha- that happens to me with any anytime I hear a Bare Naked Lady song out in public that's not one week. Um, you know, I was just walking through and it was playing in the background in my mind my mind was like, wait, that sounds familiar. No, that can't be bare naked ladies. That's not, that's not a single, that can't be bare naked ladies. And, and like uh, my mind just tries to reject the idea of it. And then I'm like, no, no, it is. And that's, it, I'm in Grinch land. So that makes total sense. <laughs> but yeah. And you know, Jeffrey Tambor did really well. He was the mayor, right? Uh, and, yes. uh, What's her name from Just Shoot Me as the mayor's wife was amazing, who had the crush on the Grinch. I love that whole sort of like backstory to the Grinch and them having crushes on each other when they were kids. And I think that's the part that gets controversial, what people have for a problem with it, that and Jim Carrey being who Jim Carrey is and being outlandish. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that's what this character really needed for that film anyways to make it more than just this dark hated character all the time. Like you have to make him somewhat silly. Yeah. So like kids can watch it. 
I did. Did they do anything like that in the new one? I haven't seen the the one they came out with last year yet. Well, they did, but they didn't have to make it as silly. Um, I mean, he was still kind of a silly character. Went a little bit more back toward the I want to say '60s '70s kind of focus. But I think yeah. because it's a cartoon, it has less of that like need to pull it away from the realism of it. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're having realistic characters play it and it's dark, it's going to scare kids if you play it too <laughs> dark. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But I, I really like the Jim Carrey version. I like how they made this whole story that goes with it. I like how each of the characters is is a great character. Like Jim Carrey is the darkest of all of them, but even then he's got a reason for being as angry about Christmas as he is. Mm-hmm. I, I One of my favorite things about that movie too is, I, I think it's two scenes in the movie. It's been a few years since I've seen it, but where he just kind of, he, he puts on a mask and he goes and sneaks around Whoville. <laughs> I was like, that makes total sense that, you know, he would do like some reconnaissance before launching this big Christmas plan, which you never got in the original story. Right. <laughs> It was like he was just up on the mountain watching them, and he was like, oh, I'm going to go down there without checking anything out, you know? Right. And I, this is one of, not just the Jim Carrey version, but this is my favorite Dr. Seuss book. This is my favorite Dr. Seuss cartoon. It is my my favorite Christmas story next to Scrooge. Um, and, oh, wow. and my favorite being Scrooge. Again, I like a little humor in my dark <laughs> stories. I really like the theme of this, which is Christmas is so much more than just commercialism. Mm-hmm. And to be attacking that back in the 60s and 70s as as Dr. Seuss did. And then to continue with that theme and make sure they pushed it. And in a time when it was extremely commercial, you know, the, the, the aughts is amazing. Like the, it was controversial almost in a way to like do that. That all that being said, though they did they did kind of merchandise the heck out of this. They did. <laughs> it it's kind of like uh, when when they came out with uh, the Lorax movie a few years later, and then they were putting it in like car advertisements. It's like ooh ooh, uh, maybe don't do that. Yeah, that doesn't quite work right. Yeah. <laughs> um. So let's talk for a second about the theme of this song. Uh, you were mentioning earlier, like they did a really great job of taking the movie and blending it down to the base components and putting it into song. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the great things about this song for me is it's not just telling the story of the movie. It's telling you what you need to know about this character and what their motivations are. And then like, this is the thoughts that Grinch is having the emotions the Grinch is having without telling you all the story and throwing in all the reasons behind it and, and too many mm-hmm. details. Yeah. And it, 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 there's just a lot of really great holiday imagery in it too, you know, even versus the character stuff. And, and it makes it so great when, cause it, it I, I believe it plays in the movie right when they first go into Whoville, right. Or maybe when he's going into Whoville. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it just, uh, it just, it makes it really feel like Christmas, you know, they, all, all the the tinsel on the tree, the icicles, all, all all this Christmas imagery. But then, you know, when you listen to it independent of watching the movie, you kind of just you just picture the Grinch out there on that cliff face looking down on Whoville while all this is going on, uh, brooding. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's great. Like we have 
the idea that the why the Grinch is so upset mm-hmm. about the holiday. We don't have all the backstory. We don't know all how he was rejected and all that stuff. Yeah, but we we have the basics of like he's lonely. He's tired of seeing everyone being happy except for him. Mm-hmm. And then to, to some extent, he's tired of the commercialism of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, some might say he's green with envy. <laughs> that was one of the great things that I love that they did that. So they're like going in three different ways. Like you have mm-hmm. green Christmas as in like no snow on the ground. You yeah. got green Christmas as in the envy. And then you get green Christmas because he's the Grinch. Like, what a great way to, like, blend all three ideas into one song. Oh, and it's classic BNL too. They love doing that, like, just taking a phrase and, like, turning it around a couple times and looking at it from a few different angles. It, it, one of the reasons I love their lyrics so much. Because <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm trying to think, uh, what, what song am I thinking of that does that really? Oh, Tonight is the Night I Fell Asleep at the Wheel. Uh, you're the last thing on my mind. The way that oh. just kind of shifts and flips during the course of the song, you know? Yes. I love, I can't wait to get to that song. Cause I love how that does that in four years. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh, so there was one person that put it on, that was online, uh, in the song meetings.com, um, hmm. song meanings.com. I mean, let's say that right. Um, and I want to read what he said because he put it really well, and and I didn't think of it this way, and I think it's an excellent point. Yeah, I agree with you guys somewhat, but I think there's more to it. A strong, ever-present, reoccurring theme in BNL music is the chronic depression, manic depression, suicide, but it's not always obvious. They do a lot of benefit and awareness concerts for causes related to mental health. Anyway, Christmas time is a really hard time of year for people with depression, especially single and lonely people. First verse talks about how great Christmas is, but it's a green Christmas for the speaker regardless. Second verse makes the point to mention the couples enjoying the season together, the loneliness thing. Then things like making angels and skating and then saying he's jealous or green with envy. The bridge says he's green because of everything I miss. He is missing out on relationships, hates being alone, such a wasted season for single people, and he's wishing to not feel this anymore. And then the carolers at the door, he doesn't want to hear them because he's just so sick of the season and everything reminds him of how miserable he is and happy people and carolers throw into sharp relief his melancholy. And then finally the song ends by saying that it snows there every day, but it's green anyways, which removes the doubt that it's green literally, but it's just a metaphor. And so this is me speaking again. I think that's great from a number of reasons. Cause yeah, mm-hmm. it brings up all that depression that often is in Steve's writing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But the Grinch is, is depressed. Like you see it throughout the movie until the very end that he's a very depressed character for all he's going through. And, and the guy is right. Christmas and the holidays are the hardest time of the year for people that are depressed because you see other people around you always happy. You know that you, sh- quote unquote, should feel happy, but mm-hmm. don't. And that makes you feel guilty and ashamed and embarrassed for not feeling that way, which is even worse. This, yeah. this is a horrible time of year for people that are depressed. Yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, if you're lonely like that, too, at this time of the year, you have the whole FOMO thing because you're going on social media and everyone's posting their their hot chocolate and they're, you know, caroling and they're lighting up the trees at uh, the local park, all that stuff. And you're like, man, 
And, and as a person, like there was, there was a year where I was severely depressed during the holiday season. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, that was, it was the worst time. And like, I just shut everything and, and everyone out of my life at that period of time for a year. Cause I didn't yeah. want to have anything to do with all of that happiness that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I needed that for that year. Like, I, I'm not sad that I did that, but I now understand like how people that are, that have major depression or, or, uh, manic depression also feel during that time and how that must feel to be that way often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I actually, um, you know, up until a couple years ago, I had taken about a decade off, uh, from celebrating Christmas, uh, kind of, uh, it was sort of like a protest against the commercialism of the holiday and all that kind of stuff. And so just anytime anyone would, you know, ask me why I don't celebrate Christmas, I'd give them my little spiel and, you know, maybe, maybe make them think about it a little bit more. So I did that for like 10 years, but it was a really rough 10 years, especially once I had, you know, a wife and kids and everything. Cause, cause you know, uh, they would go off to the, do the whole family thing for the day and I'd be stuck at home or one year we went up north to visit my wife's family. And uh, so we were staying at her cousin's house and everyone woke up to uh, open the presents. We were all sleeping in the living room. And so I had to like put a blanket over my head and like block out the holiday while listening to everyone have a great time opening their presents. And it wasn't fun. Wasn't fun. I, no. I, I, I identified with the Grinch in that moment a little bit. Also my father-in-law <laughs> that year for my birthday bought me a Grinch t-shirt. I wish I should have worn today. <laughs> but I, I think as we get older, we understand where the Grinch is coming from. Mm-hmm. Like once we've lived those experiences and we also see the commercialism of Christmas, we, we can get that and understand that. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the movie, uh, the movie in general, uh, makes a really good point of saying that, you know, it's important not to lose that sort of that Cindy Lou who childlike innocence about it. Uh, because if not, you're going to end up miserable and alone like the Grinch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And we have to let kids and ha- bring happiness back to us. And, mm-hmm. and I like the themes that run throughout that movie. Yeah. So, and yeah, even it, Cindy Lou is is questioning herself during that movie, like about what is Christmas really all about. And I like that. It's she's innocent, but the, she's not naive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great movie all the way around. So one of the lines in the song that I find, I, I like the more times I listen to it this week, I'm like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> Five red mittens drying on the racks. Wait, why is it five? Why would five sets? Maybe I can understand. Why is there five? Like who's missing the mitten? (laughs) You know what? That is a great question. Uh, (laughs) That 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 implies a whole whole other story about. uh, Maybe maybe it's like a. What is it? The five little kittens lost. One of them lost their mittens or something like that. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was a reference to that or something. Yeah, I had never even that had never even occurred to me that that's a that's an uneven number of hands. Um, I mean, I'm guessing they're probably ref- that's them re- doing some self referral. Those five guys in the band at that time, five yeah. like, mittens. But I'm like, wait, a, that that's an odd number with <laughs> even numbers of hands. So either someone's having a really tough Christmas. Because mm-hmm. they lost a mitten or lost a hand, yeah, or <laughs> or there's something else going on here. Were there any who's with like a hook for a hand? If so, maybe that's what the reference was. Maybe <laughs> Captain Hook was a who. Captain Hook. Maybe, maybe it was Max. Max had four mittens and one for his tail. 
There we go. There we go. We <laughs> cracked it. We cracked it. We don't want Max's tail to get cold. That's for sure. So do you have anything more to add about the lyrics here? No, I just think that I, I love the holiday imagery of the song. It's just a... So many strong images that just like in not in a violent way, but just keep punching you in the face over and over to where, you know, even though the the songs about sort of missing out on Christmas in a way and uh, being jealous of other people celebrating it. Nothing gets me in a Christmas mood more than those opening, you know, guitar chords of this song like do, 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 do. And then the imagery of the lyrics kicks in. It's just it's a great song. It's a fantabulous song. They do. They use the lyrics to paint a picture very briefly of what you're seeing around you. And Mm -hmm. I think the music itself brings you into the mood of what you're supposed to be feeling. Yeah. Like you have these great scenes, but you have this music that's happy, but there's something a little bit melancholic about the sound of the song. I don't know what Mm -hmm. it is. I wish, I wish Aaron were here so I could say, Aaron, what's that? What is it about this key? That's, that's bringing this feeling of, of melancholy because it's the strumming and the dun, 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 which is bringing the happiness. Yeah. There's something about this key that brings in a little bit of sadness. Oh, now I'm trying to remember because I I play guitar a little bit. I haven't played this one in a while. I'm looking up the chords here because I think there's like a Christmas chords i think that there's like some sort of like sus seven chord or something in, in there that might be giving it that melancholy sound let me look here oh it's a okay it's a c yeah it's all sevenths it's d major seventh c major seventh that's why okay because uh, that seventh kind of adds a you know because you have the whole Quinch. chord and then and then you add that little bit of dissonance to it you know to make it feel a little bit yeah exactly but how genius is that like we're not going to make this a thoroughly happy song because it's not meant to be <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so this is a really basic song though like the, they don't give a ton of other instruments into this music it's them playing their basic instruments they always play mm-hmm. um and and the harmonies are just gorgeous by the way five red mittens drying on the red and needle shedding tan and on the railing, snowflakes on the ground, but it's a green Christmas in this town. Of course, we're talking BNL, like yeah, as always, as always, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we can't say that it's not like this week is one of those like, not, not perfect examples of the harmonies being in the background, and they don't do it a lot throughout the song, but it's those ahs in the background and green because of everything I miss. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think my favorite part is the carolers are at my door and I don't want to hear them anymore. And so you have them caroling in the background. He slams the door and boom. Carolers are at my door. Don't want to hear them anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, they do the like the fa la 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 la. Yeah, in the background there. I love that. I love that. And the first time I heard that, I was laughing so hard because I didn't see it coming at all. I mean, obviously, now I know it's coming every time. Yeah. And it still brings a smile to my face. But that first time, I did not expect him to slam the door in their face. And I was, <laughs> it was just hilarious. You never hear that happening in a holiday song. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's a Grinch-related holiday song, I suppose. That's true. Did they use Green Christmas in the new one at all? They did not. That's a shame. Um, in the new one, because they did use some big names, but they didn't use this song, which I was like, that's a loss. Like, mm-hmm. 
I, w- I would have expected them to use it because it specifically was written, but maybe there's some kind of special licenses around this song for that. Well, the thing is, like, I don't know if they're a lot. I mean, obviously, you and me are big fans of this movie, uh, but I don't know if a lot of people have, have a lot of love for this interpretation of it. And it always shocks me when I'm browsing around on online on com- a comment thread or something, and this movie comes up and people are like, man, that movie sucked. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That was a great movie. Right. <laughs> the one that they used for the 2018 movie was they did Christmas and Hollis. That was their big, like, we're going to use a big name for this. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, I, Like you had said, it's a controversial movie and I don't understand why personally myself. I, I, mm-hmm. I love this movie and I, I, I even love your mean one, Mr. Grinch off this movie. And I love the original so much, but I love <laughs> what he did with this on that to the point that I was like, all right, I got to buy the CD just to get this version. <laughs> that was really cool. This version of uh, Grinch who stole Christmas just had a great soundtrack all the all the way around uh like it's just a really good album just to toss on and you know in the background while you're making cookies and everything for sure i'm gonna pull up who else is on this hold on we have buster rhymes doing the grinch 2000 hallelujah kids hear this come on while i'm lacing and trying to prepare this for y'all oh well i got a story to tell about a dude i met once miserable as hell and how grouchy he was and how slouchy he was and when he talked you smell his breath and how frowsy it was and how drowsy we was and if you daydream i'll give you a pitch now let me tell you about mr grinch of course bare naked ladies we have little asildor and the inquisitors baby picture you and We have Ben Folds to a lonely Christmas Eve. Uh, we have Smash Oh, that's a good Elf. one. Yeah. Smash Mouth. Mama told me, boy, you best behave. Cause Santa keeps a list of all his faves. <laughs> um, we have Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Great. did the whoville melody so yeah i mean totally top of the rank here we have in sync one thing you should know on this christmas baby you don't have to be alone faith hill where are you christmas why can't i find why have you gone away? But that's an excellent group of people. <clears throat> yeah, that particularly that uh, version of Where Are You Christmas was fantastic. Absolutely oh, fantastic. This is what Steve had to say about this album. Okay. Because he was interviewed in 2004 to Billboard. 
I think it's really good. Most holiday records sound like they're phoned in, but this one doesn't. Um, I think we went into this thinking it would be a really nice souvenir to have for the holidays, but now that I think we really feel it's like a real Bare Naked Ladies record. I guess when it comes down to it, how do we not make a Bare Naked Ladies record? We really don't ever phone it in, and we had a lot of fun making this record, and everybody sings. There's a bunch of new singles and originals, plus some really nice surprises, he said. Nice, nice. Yeah, they that whole Bare Naked for the Holidays album, though, is just great. I end up listening that to that album a lot during the summer, actually, which is really weird. I think it's because, you know, it's been long enough from Christmas to where I'm not oversaturated, but uh, it, Christmas is far enough out that I'm not going to get tired of it. So I'll just, like, loop it for, like, two weeks in July, <laughs> listen to it all the time. <laughs> There's songs off this album I won't listen to. This is not one of them. This one's, is mm-hmm. one of those ones I warp. Yeah. So, yeah. What are the ones you don't listen to, just out of curiosity? Mostly the instrumentals. We Preach. We preach. Them, but, yeah. <laughs> like, when we hit Carol of the Bells, I was like, oh, goodness, can I just skip this week? <laughs> and I love Kevin. I just don't. I'm not a synth person when it's by itself or when it's the majority of the main mm-hmm. focus of a song. Plus, if, if it's instrumental, what really, I, I mean, that cuts out half of what you're going to talk about. So it's going to be a 10 minute episode. <laughs> We're done. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and speaking of instrument, like the, the synth, like, so the maybe Christmas 2 version of this song mm-hmm. actually has a lot more synth. So they have the whistling in the background, which it's not a real person whistling. You can tell because it's very sharp with the way it changes notes. Um, And it has more accordion, though. It also has harpsichord. It has banjo. Because the synth isn't the major focus, I actually kind of like that version a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you sent that over to me uh, to, to listen to, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Like, I, it's so interesting how several songs of theirs have all these different, like, variant versions that are just so different, but it, 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 at the same time, they're still the core song. Like, it still has this, the core spirit, but it just has a different feel. Like, yeah. I like Alternative Girlfriend. W- one of my favorite versions of that. It was for like a radio, an in studio appearance, and they did like a bluegrass version of alternative girlfriend and it's just like one of my most favorite versions of any song they've ever done (laughs) i I just i I love that they vary things up so much for sure yeah well and and the one they have on the holiday album is very it's almost acoustic in a lot of ways versus Mm -hmm. the one they did for the soundtrack is very much a rock like the the electric guitar is heavily present in that song and Mm -hmm. very harsh like it's it's like we're going to hit you in the face with this electric guitar. Yeah. Yeah. So it's intriguing. Right. Now here's the interesting part though. They don't play this much in concert. Like not anymore. I, I, Even I remember they played it 15 times during that first year that, that they were touring for the holiday tour, mm-hmm. but even then they didn't play it consistently. So I have my copy from the year that I went or from the yeah. concert I went to in 2005 when they came here to, to Portland Green Christmas is not on here. They did not play Green Christmas in concert that for the specifically for the holiday tour. That's crazy. Like uh, may, maybe they were maybe because it was a slightly older song at that point, maybe they were just like tired of it and wanted to rotate in the new stuff. Did they play a like God rest you merry gentlemen on that they tour? They did. 
Yep. Well, I guess they, that's kind of, that's kind of like their million dollars of Christmas songs. You know, it's the it's the one <laughs> if you know a bare naked lady's Christmas song, it's going to be God Rest You with Sarah McLaughlin. Right. But they like the ones that they could have swapped it out with that. Like, I could see why they did it, but they also did some of the the old hits in there as well without doing Christmas songs. Mm hmm. But they also did Baby Seat. I would have rather have heard Green Christmas than Baby Seat at this com- at this one concert. <laughs> Baby Baby Seat is such an odd choice because yeah, I, that was so many years after Maroon came out. <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm, not it's not a deep one that I would have gone with to kind w- of fill in there. <laughs> I want I wonder if uh. Because I guess the Christmas album really doesn't have anything that showcases Steve's voice a lot. So maybe they pick Baby Seat to kind of get him up into that higher register and let him show off a little bit. Maybe that was it. Maybe. But they don't play it in concert. And like since then, they've only played it 13 times. And I know they play a lot of December shows. So it's not like they don't have chances to play Green Christmas. They just don't do it. Mm -hmm. And they haven't played it once since 2014. So five years ago. Wow. Maybe they'll uh, they'll get their act together and they'll do another Christmas album soon and we'll get a whole new bevy of holiday songs for them to play. That'd be nice. So I was talk- when I was talking with the guys from Canada the other day, when I was talking with Andrew and Justin, uh-huh. about the other Christmas song just before this, God Rest You G- Merry Gentlemen, one of the things I would love to see them do is like have someone new come in for each song and they're doing different... Collaboration? Collaboration. Collabs? Collapse. The- <laughs> yeah. So I'm hope I would hope they would like each song they would do a different collaboration on and give it a different flavor because of who they bring in. Like that would be a really mm-hmm. cool holiday album for them to do. Oh yeah, because I mean, well, there's two good examples of it working. You know, the Sarah McLaughlin one and then Elf's Lament, which might be my favorite song off that album. You know, with Michael Bublé on it. They should just do a, a whole holiday album with uh, Michael Bublé. Because, I mean, they can retire after they do that because his <laughs> Christmas album sell like crazy. Yeah, he's he's Mr. Christmas in Canada. Yeah, I think I saw a post on Facebook the other day about like, like uh, you know, oh, it's, it's Christmas time. Michael Buble is ri- rising out of his tomb to go, <laughs> you know, <laughs> out of his crypt to go sing holiday songs. Welcome to Michael Buble, Father Christmas of Canada. <laughs> So speaking of where this fits in the pantheon of songs, let's talk a little bit about what we think that this song deserves for a rating. So this week we're going to give this song, how many who's do we give this song? Being, of course, not who's on first or something like that, or how many who's. We could do that, though. Who? Who? Who's? No, no. Let's not... The moment's passed. The moment's passed. Yeah. <laughs> Done. <laughs> even, the, even the gods of editing can't fix that. <laughs> I'm going to start with you, Bill. What, how many who's zero to five do you give this song? I will get, I, I'm going to give this, I'm going to give this puberty, I guess. Again, my voice cracked again. <laughs> um, no, I'm going to give the, I, I'm going to give this the full five hoops. It's a solid song. One of the best songs off the Christmas album. It's from a great movie. There's, uh, like I said, the, the imagery is fantastic. It immediately puts you in that kind of Christmas spirit, but then makes you think a little bit too on the way out. So, yeah, five who's out of five. All right, nice. So, 
as a soundtrack song, as a title song, which I really think this was supposed to be the title song for this album, I would say that I would give it like a four and a half to a five immediately. It does exactly what I want a title soundtrack song to do, which is what we talked about earlier. Give you the flavor of what this main character is about without giving you the story. Perfect. However... As a Christmas song by itself, I would give it like a three and a half because without the movie, you lose half the flavor of what they're kind of going with because they give it so many different directions and the different meanings that, you know, the turns that they give. You lose that if you don't know the movie or who it's being written for. So averaging those two, I give this song a four. I think a rat for off the Christmas album is definitely a four. That's fair. And you know, I, I had never really considered the perspective of hearing this song completely divorced from the movie or like not knowing it was from the movie. It might be a little weird. Like, why are they writing this really depressing Christmas song? (laughs) And it's around, if I remember, I'm going to pick it up here. Hold on. It's around footprints too. So Mm -hmm. Hold on a second. Oh, no, it's the second one on the album. So we start off with Jingle Bells, which starts off really slow, Uh really quiet, and then gets this really explosive end, and then we go into this. (laughs) (laughs) So it's an interesting direction to go. Yeah. We're going to go from happy and jolly, and now we're going to depress you a little bit. Yeah, it's funny you mention uh, Footprints, too, because I, I think a lot of the guitar work on this reminds me of the, the guitar work on Footprints, too. No, I would definitely agree with you on that. So, speaking of Green Christmas, my appearance for this week is another version of Green Christmas, but I think it's an amazing version. And, of course, going back to our interview that we just had a couple weeks ago with Andy Cregan, Andy's the one that arranged for this version because in 2006, Bare Naked Ladies played the Boston Pops, doing with also with the full choir in the background. So you have the full orchestra, the full choir singing with the bare naked ladies on stage. Um, <laughs> and they took a break and they came back from their break. And this is the song that they played. It's really cool to hear a full orchestra and you hear everyone doing like when when you hear the carolers at my door, you have a whole like 70 person choir playing behind them. Yeah. And it's always so fun to hear a, a band or a, even just a solo musician, you know, kind of get bolstered by that many other really solid musicians. Like I, I went to see a uh, Ben folds in Pittsburgh one time and he had the whole Pittsburgh symphony behind oh, him. Boy. And it was just amazing, amazing stuff. It just gives it a whole nother level. Bringing it back to BNL, the stuff Steve did with the art of time and ensemble is just amazing too. Some of my, I, I constantly listen to that out. And one of the funniest things about this version of it is you have to watch the video you can't just listen to it you have to watch it because you have people in full tuxes mm-hmm. listening to this pop song with huge <laughs> smiles on it. <laughs> it is so contrary to the situation and and the other thing that i really like is so you usually have bnl up there being bombastic yeah but because but they're trying to you can see them holding themselves back just a little bit to be up appear a little bit more straightforward mm-hmm. But Steve wants to break out. This is one of those songs that when I see a live performance, I always feel a little bad for Steve because he doesn't have a ton to do. So he's just kind of like bops around his microphone, kicks his feet back and forth. like (laughs) Ah, you know, comes in for a harmony. Yeah. This one, Big Bang Theory, like pinch me. Like he's, he's, yeah, those songs, he doesn't have much to do because he's not usually playing the guitar. (laughs) 
It, it's, espe- it's especially rough with a slow song because he can't do his, his great dance moves and jumps and kicks and stuff. You know, he just has to kind of stand there and just like, do, 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 do. <laughs> Wait for my time to shine. Plugs, where can people get more of you? I, I hear there's more information, new information out there. There is new information. I'm on the FBI's most wanted list. Um, you can find my picture in any post office. Uh, I'm not the- telling them where you are. Don't worry. I, I, <laughs> I have I've selected secrecy on the the meeting cam up up here. Well, well, I mean, we are recording this right the day before it comes out, so that's a good thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but <clears throat> no, I I just uh, you know I'm doing anything. I I have a company, Do Anything Media. Uh, that is really uh, going to gear up and launch in January. Uh, so look for it now. Uh, basically, we're trying to build a community of cool, creative people to to collaborate. A lot of other C words. Uh, you can get more information at doanything.media. And I also have a podcast called I Made This, where I talk to creators about different projects they've put together. Like we talk to people who have put together hour-long improvised comedy shows, uh, the editor of Bleeding Cool, someone who wrote a movie that Judd Nelson was in, and someone who run a, runs a cookie company. And we just talk about the cool, realistic ways they achieve their dreams. So that's how I made this, and you can find that on Apple Podcast or anywhere you get your podcast. Has a light bulb for the album art. Excellent. Definitely go out and find that. And so keep talking about <laughs> Christmas. We're past Christmas. It's time to talk about the past. But not, pa- not Christmas. We're going to talk about ghosts. Next week, we're coming to a new holiday. We're going to go backwards even further. We're going to go backwards past Thanksgiving, back to Halloween. And next week, we're talking about grim grinning ghosts. Ooh. So come back next week. Join us for grim grinning ghosts. And until then, thank you. That was fun. Thanks. That was fun. Don't forget. No regrets. Except maybe one. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.